Over the past seven years, Getting Smart has been documenting the rise of artificial intelligence and its impacts on teaching, leading, and learning. We've put together a new resource combining many of our past publications, blogs, podcasts, and events, so we can better keep our finger on the pulse of the rapid advancement of this technology. Check out this new resource for a great understanding of where AI has been, how it's already impacting the classroom, and what's coming soon. We'll be updating it every couple of weeks as well, so be sure to check out the editor's note on the first page to see what new products, policies, or advancements have occurred. You can check it out at gettingsmart.com slash artificial dash intelligence, or you can find it at the link in the show notes. We hope you enjoy this episode. You are listening to the Getting Smart Podcast. Welcome, everybody. I'm Nate McLennan. And we've been talking a lot about new pathways at Getting Smart and our campaign to understand more and better options for every single learner towards a pathway to productive citizenship, high-wage employment, economic mobility, and a purpose-driven life. And some of these core pillars of these new pathways include unbundled learning, credentialing, and merging these learning experiences into new school models. But higher education is challenged on many fronts with declining enrollments, mirroring declines in the public K-12 sector. Universities and organizations that support new pathways in the forms of credentialing and micro degrees and certificates, as well as more affordable bachelor's and master's degrees, are those that will better survive the enrollment challenges ahead. And these pathways also reduce the challenge of high college debt with no degrees that impacts many adults. We've also been talking a lot about AI and the impacts of AI on K-12 education, yet we know that AI will also impact learning across lifetime from cradle to grave, and this includes higher education, both in the form of pedagogical impact and how we teach and in terms of what we teach. Both of these things are important. AI will be the tool to hyper-personalization and the topic integrated into many courses. There's a lot of work to do, and luckily we have multiple organizations and people working on these challenges so that learners of all ages can benefit from personalized pathways and the options to learn the technical skills critical to professional skills. So today, I'm super excited to be joined by repeat guest, Anant Agarwal, who's an MIT professor. He's the chief platform officer at 2U and the founder and CEO of edX, an online learning platform founded by Harvard and MIT. In 2020, Anant shared with us the story and vision for edX from inception to present and its effort to increase access, reduce costs, and implement modularity in the higher education ecosystem. So much has happened in the last three years that we thought it would be great to hear from Anant again to get his sense of AI, how it will play both the role in the teaching of higher education, the pedagogy, as well as a topic for learning in higher education. So we're going to focus on both those things today. Welcome back, Anant. We're very grateful for your time and all your contributions to education over your career. Hello. Hello, and uh, thank you for having me back, Nate. Uh, delighted to uh, join you in this incredible conversation about AI. It's, it's taking over the world. It is taking over the world, and I know you're thinking a lot about it. So I'm excited to hear uh, a, a, a bit about your thoughts about AI, both as uh, a tool for increasing the efficacy of teaching in higher ed and how it will Im- improve um, pedagogy in higher ed, as well as what you're doing at edX to, to help people accelerate their knowledge about um, AI. So we'll talk about both those things. I thought we'd start for our listeners um, who are education leaders and educators and innovators. I thought we'd start just for you to frame for us the journey of edX, just to provide some listeners with context. So maybe starting way back with MIT OpenCourseWare, can you quickly track MIT OpenCourseWare to where you are today? Sure. 
um, around the year 2000, um, MIT released uh, all of its content online as MIT OpenCourseWare. Uh, so here, uh, videos of classes, um, static homeworks were all released. Um, and throughout at MIT, where I've taught for 36 years, uh, we've been continually thinking about what is the next important thing that we can do with increasing access to education. And then uh, Sal Khan came around. He was my student at MIT in the 90s, and he released uh, uh, his Khan videos, a big inspiration for me and for MIT. And then, uh, uh, you know, 2007, 2008, several technologies came together, cloud computing, video distribution at scale, mobile computing, uh, social networking, and so on. And we felt that we could bring these technologies into education and take what we did with OpenCourseWare to the next level. So we felt we could bring in uh, short videos rather than recordings of entire lectures. We could bring in, bring in graded assignments where people could interact with real homeworks and submit homeworks and get them graded instantly using a computer, uh, where learners could interact with each other with the question and answer forums and interact with faculty on the question and answer forums. And in the end, even get a certificate if they pass the course. And so in 2011, uh, you know, we launched edX. Um, MIT and Harvard came together and uh, launched this as a partnership where we teamed up with a large number of universities and institutions like uh, MIT, Harvard, Oxford, Cambridge, Berkeley, Stanford, and others, as well as companies like uh, Google and IBM and uh, Amazon and others creating courses on edX, which learners could come in from all over the world and uh, take these courses, and if they passed, earning a certificate. So in that sense, edX took what we did with OpenCourseWare at MIT and took it to the to the next plane, to the next level, by bringing in uh, live interactions, by bringing in certificates, by bringing in grading and, uh, and short videos, and also improve the pedagogy to active learning where we interleave the videos with interactive exercises. So that was the start of edX. And today we have uh, 76 million learners who are on our platform, uh, 4,000 courses, uh, 230 institutional partners, and we offer everything from courses uh, to uh, boot camps, to executive education, to entire degrees on our platform today. Wow, that's amazing. And the partnership with 2U, it seems edX is now part of 2U, correct? So uh, about two years ago, um, edX merged with uh, 2U. And, uh, and now all our offerings are under uh, the brand of edX, where uh, 2U brought in its incredible live services organizations, uh, uh, the career organization, and uh, incredible outcomes through the live services in its degrees, boot camps, and exec ed, and combine that with edX's open courses. And so today, uh, this comprehensive catalog is uh, offered under the edX brand, but in a merger with 2U. Got it, got it. Okay. Really appreciate the background and context, and, and so impressive. Uh, 76 million um, uh, learners, 4,000 courses, hundreds of um, partners. I mean, all of that it really increases access, which is fundamentally what you all are trying to do. And that makes the world a better place. So just appreciate your efforts there. So let's dive into AI. I know you're thinking a lot about this. Uh, I know you've been posting a bit about it and thinking about it in terms of overall impacts. So so it's everywhere right now. And, and we think, at least at Getting Smart, and I'm curious to hear your perspective, is that it's really going to 
hyper-personalize what we've been thinking about and how can we make learning more specific and more contextualized for every learner. So where are you seeing the positive impacts of AI and um, the trends where it will, will really impact pedagogy and uh, education and instruction in higher education? So AI has the potential to uh, truly transform how we teach and how we learn. Uh, in a way that we can achieve massive scale and personalization. With edX, we were able to reach massive scale. Uh, you know, my own circuits course out of MIT reached uh, over a million learners uh, since edX was launched. So we reached massive scale. However, where technology and digital learning uh, did not meet the full potential of learning was the personalization to each learner. Uh, that part never got accomplished because when you have scale, it is the same kind of learning that is offered to everybody. What I see as an incredible opportunity with AI is personalization at scale. To me, that's a beauty where we can not only scale to millions of people, but the learning can be customized or personalized to each individual with AI. And in fact, you know, this is sort of the main tenet of the fourth industrial revolution. Uh, it's about mass customization uh, or, or mass personalization. And so AI will help us achieve that in education. And let me give you a quick example. In an online course or in an in-person course in a class, if you have a class full of 100 or 200 learners, you're sitting in a class, you're watching a live lecture, or you might be online, you're watching recorded videos. It is very difficult for you as an individual learner if you have uh, specific questions or issues, um, it's difficult for you to get all of those doubts cleared. It's, it's hard for you to, you're shy about raising your hand in a 100-person class. Uh, online, you may ask the question. We have a, a peer discussion forum on edX. You ask a question, and you may not get your immediate answer. But we've introduced a technology called Expert uh, within uh, boot camps and soon to come in our courses on edX, where the expert tutor is powered by ChatGPT and available to the learner at any time uh, or wherever they are. And so if a learner has a question, they can go and ask a question. And, uh, you know, uh, we're training ChatGPT here to either answer the question or in some cases use a Socratic method of helping the learner learn what they need to learn, uh, you know, using, using AI. So this is one way in which we can personalize the learning to each learner and do it very quickly. And so, so I see personalization that, so in some ways edX is already personalized because uh, someone can go on to edX and you can choose all your courses and you can stack and move them around based on all these different providers. But what was missing as you scaled edX is this it, true personalization, meaning you were uh, a little bit anonymous in the system because there were so many students. And so by incorporating the generative um, AI with expert, you, you, every learner can now ask questions, get responses, get prompts, et cetera, based on where they're at, right, in the course. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Absolutely. You know, but you're right in that there was some personalization already in that while you're sitting in a 100-person lecture hall, you cannot pause the instructor. The instructor is going too fast, right? However, when you're in an uh, online course, you can pause the video. And so there is some personalization. Many of the students would uh, speed up the video and, and watch it at 2x the speed and so on. So there's some personalization happening. But 
the personalization of the learning where if you didn't understand something and you wanted things framed differently, or you wanted the instructor to give you some background examples, or if you wanted the instructor to just skip a few lessons and go faster, uh, these were all things that were much harder to do. And with AI, we can now make learning much more adaptive where we can watch the learner, see how the learner is doing, and personalize the entire learning experience to that learner. We, you know, we can also do things like lang- you know, even examples of languages. Now, we do have translations in some languages on edX, but with AI, we are now generating translations in uh, a multi in, in, in all languages in real time so that learners can learn in any language at any time. Yeah, so suddenly you have this, what was a one-way personalization, meaning me as a learner can change things. It's suddenly you have interactive, right? It's a two-way personalization, which I think is really impressive. So, so let's think about, let's use MIT as a campus. You know, you're in Cambridge. You're, you're, there's a lot of students learning there. How, how do you see AI changing the MIT pedagogy? I, I mean, is it where, where will these tools be inserted into both the physical campuses and the digital campuses to change the experience of learners. Do you have any sense of that? Well, I can see in terms of the learning experience or the teaching experience, um, I can I would divide it in two categories, where we can use AI to help the teacher or the professor and where we can use AI to help the learner. In terms of helping the professor, um, one of the places where AI can really help the professor is in creating is in augmenting lectures or helping the professor create materials. So today, uh, professors might already use the web uh, to do some research and so on for the materials. But with AI, uh, professors will be able to provide some prompts and some ideas and to have AI generate entire uh, lectures or entire pieces of content uh, that help us uh, teach better. And if something is not quite right, say, hey, look, reword this. And, uh, you know, I've experimented with some summarizations of videos where we've said, all right, you know, teach it to a 10th grader or teach it to a fifth grader, where we can very rapidly tweak what we're doing to different levels and and, and categories, which is very hard to do. It's very time consuming to do it uh, in person. Uh, We're also experimenting today with AI for teaching where you can provide a lecture or a video and you can have AI very quickly give you a set of questions, uh, thumbnail questions that you can ask learners uh, as part of active learning. But in active learning, the model is you, you you teach a learner something and then you immediately ask some questions so they can retrieve the knowledge. And so with AI, we're now able to generate a large number of questions. That was very hard to do as a teacher. One of the hardest parts of teaching is actually not creating the lecture, but creating the questions and homework assignments and grading them. So we can use AI to create new questions. Uh, we're also using AI to grade essay questions. And uh, uh, you know, this is something we had launched uh, in 2012, actually. And, uh, and, uh, but the technology wasn't quite perfect, but now we can do much better. So uh, in grading and creating questions, in fact, what we can also do is to prevent cheating, rather than asking students the same question in an exam, we can now get AI's help to create 100 questions, similar questions, if there are 100 students. And each student gets a personalized question. So we can even get personalized exams for students very, very easily and personalized grading. It's really, really hard to kind of grade 100 different kinds of exams because you don't get into that rhythm. 
And so we can use that with AI. So that's on the teaching side. Uh, on the learning side on a campus, there are a number of places where we can use uh, AI to help us as well. Um, one of them, of course, is as uh, tutors. Uh, you know, I've seen students that uh, have often said, look, I, have, I had a doubt about something at midnight. And it may take them a week to get an appointment with a TA or sometimes never or a professor. And so uh, with AI, they'll be able to get help and or at least pointers to things they can look at. Uh, in a much, much faster fashion at any time of day or night. And so these are just some examples where uh, learners can benefit from AI as well. We could also uh, be teaching learners how the future upskilling in the job world will work, where in the, in the real world, everybody is now using AI and ChatGPT to generate first drafts of writing. So we can be using AI to be teaching students how to write for the future, where in addition to critical thinking and writing by yourself, there's a new category of writing where you ask ChatGPT to get you a draft and then you edit the draft so you can turn out a version very quickly. So all kinds of new ways that we have, we will have to teach our students. Yeah, super interesting. Yeah, I see both of the both of those perspectives of the helping the educator side and also helping the learner side. And then do you think probing a little bit deeper on the educator side, presumably knowing my past, I, I taught high school math and science and a little bit at the university level and assessment took up a lot of time, prep took up a lot of time. So when you free up all that time, what, does it change the role of the professor at all? Does it, does it make their job just doable? Because sometimes I think education is a job that's not doable because <laughs> you have so many students. Or do they spend that time doing other things? So they, do you see the role shifting for, for professors in higher ed? Yes, I see the role shifting for uh, professors in higher ed or for teachers in schools and colleges. And by the way, this is not new. We saw that uh, once before when we launched uh, online learning in a big way with edX and many other organizations. Um, teachers and professors could now use online content while teaching. And so in many classrooms around the world, rather than professors teaching as a sage on the stage, they're teaching more as a guide by the side of the student where the student is learning online with an online course. And we have a you know offering called edX online campus where schools are and colleges are subscribing to it for the entire university and having the students learn online where the instructors are serving as a guide by the side, helping the students learn. So that already happened. Now, what AI does, it takes it, does is takes it one step further where some of the guiding can also be done by AI. Um, and, and as you said, AI can also help grade and help uh, create better assessments uh, and, and a multitude of assessment types for the professor. So what I see happening in the future is that through these affordances, teachers and professors will have more time that they can spend thinking about new pedagogical models thinking about new ways in which learners should be taught, or frankly, teaching about new kinds of things that they should be teaching about, new kinds of problem types. And so they should also be thinking about creating more personal interactions with students. So rather than having large lectures, as they create more time for themselves with AI and digital learning, maybe they work with students in small groups on group projects. Uh, you know, AI cannot go and do a group project for a student when it involves hammering nails into a uh, into a piece of wood. 
at least not not now. And so, when a professor works with students or a teacher works with students in small groups to do projects, inspire the students and get them to get them to think big and do great things. So that inspirational model, the small group interaction, the mentorship, I think instructors and teachers can spend more time with the students doing that because some of the time has been freed up by the affordances of AI. Yeah, that that makes sense. I like the idea of more thinking time because I one thing is certain is that that no educator or professor ever thinks they have enough time. So more thinking time and then more more personal relationship time, personal interactions with small groups of students, uh, things that are uniquely human at this point, they will be able to spend more time on. So, so. In, in fact, in, in fact, what's interesting is that, uh, you know, th- this example is one where AI indirected, indirectly can create more personalization, where by freeing up time, the teacher can spend more time with the students for personal interact uh, for personalized interaction. So, in some sense, it's an affordance of AI, but indirect. Yeah, a, yeah a secondary effect in some ways. Okay. Look, we, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about the nervousness people have uh, around AI. And so I'd love to hear your thoughts on, on what are you concerned about? If anything, um, any great invention always comes with the pros and cons. And so wh- what are you thinking about on the con side? What should we be worried about? And how do we mitigate those issues? Look, that's a really big question. And uh, I think we can divide up into two parts. One is, uh, why are people worried about AI? And the second part is, what can we do to uh, steer AI in the right direction? So the first question, uh, I see a lot of fear of AI because uh, uh, you know it is mysterious. When you don't know about something, it's like a black hole, and you are scared. You know, but why are we scared of the dark? Because um, we don't know what we're stepping into. And so it's for teachers in particular, they don't quite know what this all means. It's mis. mis- it's mysterious. And so there's a lot of angst and worry. What's this going to do? You know, will it completely upend teaching and learning? What will happen to my job? Um, what will happen to uh, cheating? You know, will I ever be able to have, give out a homework where students submit something without cheating? So a lot of anxiety um, among teachers. The first thing we can do, of course, is demystify AI to help teachers understand that, look, it's a technology. And, uh, uh, you know, it's like shining a light in the dark. It's like a shine a flashlight and say, look, at the end of the day, it's technology, something that we create. And my way of looking at how to how to get the best out of AI and not have all the doomsday scenarios is uh, is uh, think of a knife analogy. You know, uh, uh, in the hands of a surgeon, a knife can do really good stuff. And uh, in the hands of bad people, a knife can do uh, harmful stuff. As Shakespeare said, there's nothing good or, good or bad, only think it, make it, it's so. Same thing with AI. Um, it's a tool, it's a technology, and uh, uh, you can use it for the good, you can use it uh, to, to cause harm. And so I think it's incumbent upon us as technologists and teachers to rapidly work on using AI for the better. So the more brain cells that we can direct in using AI for the better and create tools that make it easy for people to use AI for the better, so that most of those uses come out first. I think that will both demystify AI and also help people uh, move in the right direction. Love that. I love the, uh, the idea of AI for the better and getting ahead of the curve. Oftentimes technology gets ahead of uh, us thinking about these different elements. And I think there's more and more people talking, especially in the education sector, about 
uh, AI for good? And how are we making sure that students are are learning enough about it, both about the technical parts of it, but also about the ethics of it and the, the moral implications? And so it seems like this is a good time to pivot to edX and what you all are both seeing on the demand side of people interested in learning about AI and then how you all at edX are responding about helping people quickly accelerate their learning, whether it's around ethics or the technical aspects. So, so what's happening at edX in this regard? The second big, um, the second big aspect of AI is how AI is going to transform all of uh, the future of work. Um, everything that we do in the future uh, at work is going to be impacted by AI. Uh, whether you're writing a piece of code, uh, running some business processes, making decisions, AI is going to change everything. And so there's a need for upskilling and reskilling very quickly so that all of us learn about AI. If you're a coder, you need to learn how to use AI as a co-pilot in your coding. If you are a business analyst, you need to figure out how to use AI in business processes. If you're a writer or a journalist, you got to use uh, learn how to use AI to to uh, to create personalized versions of articles, or very quickly create drafts, or or maybe personalize the articles for twenty cultures and twenty languages. There's many many ways in which AI can apply to journalism as well. So there's a huge need for upskilling and reskilling uh, for for work. Uh, at edX, what we're doing there is that we've launched a number of courses and programs to help people upskill and reskill. I mean, that's what edX is about. It's about upskilling and reskilling for the future of work, whether you're looking to start a career or improve your career. We've launched a number of courses on uh, very short courses that are free on introduction to chat GPT. And we've launched courses on uh, introduction to prompt engineering, where prompt engineering is a whole new field that has popped up. So what is prompt engineering? Prompt engineering is the art of using AI uh, and guiding it to help you in various ways. So for instance, if I need uh, ChatGPT to help me write an essay, prompt engineering is how exactly do I steer ChatGPT to get me what I want in terms of my essay? How do I ask it the right questions and how do I prompt it? How do I train it uh, to get what I want? We have courses on prompt engineering. Um, We've also recently launched a bootcamp in AI, where uh, the bootcamp in AI helps learners learn about uh, Python programming to start, uh, because Python is sort of the language of AI. So even if you don't know any coding, uh, the bootcamp will teach you how to code in Python. And from there, take you into what is AI and, and learn about AI and then learn about how to apply AI in uh, whether it's data science or other fields, how to apply AI and use AI in coding and and, uh, in businesses or in the analysis of data. So we've created a number of these courses um, to help learners learn about AI uh, and upskill in those fields. We've also created executive education courses, AI for executives with our partners like MIT and others so that um, executives can learn about AI and how to use AI. And, and so I presume that just like all the rest of edX, a learner could go on and take a course and then take go into a boot camp and then maybe get a certificate or you don't need a college degree to enroll in this. In fact, you don't even probably need a high school degree to enroll in some of these or most of these. And so can they can can learners access all these opportunities? 
and then also can the opportunities in AI be stacked together to eventually earn a degree or, or how, how customizable is the AI learning process right now as you're, as you're launching and your partners are launching all these on the platform? Uh, the first thing to observe is that it's not an either or in that, you know, it's not you either get a degree or you learn through these non-credit bearing or non-traditional credentials or micro-credentials. You can do both. So as I talked about boot camps and all of the courses on AI, you know, we have a professional certificate from Harvard in, uh, uh, in coding and AI. Uh, these are all credential, uh, micro-credential courses. At the same time, we've launched a uh, degree in AI with UT Austin. It's a top 10 ranked school. It's a master's degree in AI for $10,000. And it's, it's, it's our fastest growing degree in, uh, in our history. And so there are degrees and there are micro-credentials. And so it's not an either-or. Um, you can start with a micro-credential and you can go on to take um, a degree. And we are seeing more and more universities and institutions stack these up so you can start with a small micro-credential and then which can stack into a full degree. So as an example, we have a boot camp in data science from uh, Southern Methodist University. And then when you complete the data science boot camp, you can then stack that up into a degree from Southern Methodist University in a master's degree in data science. So we're seeing more and more examples of um, people being able to be flexible and stack up the smaller components into bigger components. But that said, uh, today we have a whole plethora of opportunities from courses to professional certificates uh, to boot camps and degrees in AI. Um, we also launched a micro boot camp in machine learning and AI with uh, some top universities like uh, Columbia and others, where if you already have a degree, if you already know how to code, but you need to learn and top it up to learn how to use AI, then you can take this course. Think of it as if you already have the ice cream, the basic coding skills or the basic data science skills or the basic project management or cybersecurity skills, this is like the cherry on top. Uh, you can take a micro bootcamp in AI. It's uh, about 10 weeks long. It's very short. And you can upskill uh, and learn how to use AI in your job. Tons of opportunities, which is great. Um, and I can see a lot of educators uh, being interested in, in, in education leaders being interested in, in some of those different uh, articulations of these AI learning experiences. Let me ask a philosophical question. Uh, when you think about this idea, so you currently have edX as a platform, you have all your partners who are putting content on the platform. Do you ever see a future where a learner could produce a 100% customizable degree that's really an edX degree that has X amount of credits, but it's it's agnostic to partner university because they're just putting together all the different puzzle pieces in the way that they want? Or do you think it'll all accreditation or, or getting the final degree might always be determined by uh, a partner provider? You know, it's not an edX degree because uh, uh, the components come from a university and, and corporate partners. So there have been many examples of learners who have aggregated a degree by taking pieces of content from a number of places. So for example, uh, you can do a MicroMasters in data science from uh, MIT on edX. You could then uh, complete a uh, professional certificate in business from uh, the Indian Institute of Management in Bangalore. So you can take pieces 
whether it's a professional certificates or micro bachelors or micro masters, you can take these pieces. And uh, today we have partnerships with universities like uh, Thomas Edison State Universities, where they will give you credit on their transcript for the micro bachelors. And then if you take enough of these, you can stack them up and uh, eventually get a degree. And so many of the learners are aggregating these credentials and learning as much as they would learn in a whole degree. But, you know, probably more importantly, many employers today are looking at what skills learners have. And these micro-credentials help learners clearly articulate, look, I know about marketing analytics. I've learned Python. And so they get these certificates for modular chunks, and it's easier for an employer to see what skills they have. And uh, so oftentimes, uh, for those students, they may have learned as much as in a degree, but they don't have a degree. And so what we're encouraging universities to do, with, even with degrees, is to make sure that the skills that they learned in the degree are clearly articulated, that in addition to getting the degree, they also get skill-based certificates along the way. Right. We have long used degree as a proxy for skill. And I think what employers are finding is that that's not always the case. And so when we can articulate the specific skills through micro-credentials or courses or things that say, this is the skill that you have demonstrated, and then stack them into some sort of degree, and the universities are able to articulate that, the learner is much more employable. Uh, I could also see, which I presume you're, you're talking about it as well, is that if an organization, a company, or a nonprofit says, we need you to upskill in a certain area, go on to edX, upskill in this area so that we can better serve our clients or, or meet our goals, et cetera. So there's, a, there's that adult whole adult learning need that's not just for learners in high school or learners in college, et cetera, which I think is... You know, Nate, that's absolutely true. Where, um, And it's even, as you said, even more important for adult learning because let's say you get a degree in business or a degree in computer science and you have a job. What's happening in the workplace today is that it is getting widely recognized that hybrid skills have become very important. So it's not just enough to learn math and programming. You also need to learn writing. And, uh, you know, it is not often the case that you learn all of these hybrid skills uh, in your degree program. And so uh, in situations like this, even if you have a degree, being able to go to a platform and uh, like edX and learn a specific skill. So for example, taking professional writing on edX from Arizona State University, for instance, to to get that extra skill. Or let's say, for example, you are a psychology major, you have a degree in psychology, um, but then you want to learn some business because you're becoming a manager. Um, you know, uh, you, may, you, you could come and get an MBA with one of our partners on edX online, or you could go and take a professional certificate program, which is much shorter, and just learn the right set of skills in accounting or finance, for instance, uh, that you need for your job. Yeah, it makes total sense. And in some ways, that goes back to our personalization piece that we talked about in the beginning, where, where we were saying that AI will help personalize. The idea of massive online courses for many, many um, providers helps personalize. And breaking apart the degree or no degree conundrum into these smaller pieces helps personalize. Anant, this has been uh, an amazing, amazing conversation. I would love to finish as we wrap up here with uh, your your takeaway. So our audience is mostly school leaders, uh, education leaders, entrepreneurs, et cetera. Big takeaway uh, from what you would like them to be thinking about and learning. Uh, and then the second is, is any organization or person you'd like to amplify on our podcast that you think our listeners should check out? I think well, my one message for everybody is that 
there certainly seems to be a lot of fear and uncertainty about AI and uh, real worry that AI is going to take away our jobs or AI is not going to allow us to uh, educate or assess our students effectively. I would like all of us to completely uh, switch our thinking around uh, to learn about AI and to learn about AI in, in ways in which AI can help us do good. And so uh, this way we can use AI for the benefit of learners, benefit of ourselves. And, you know, frankly, uh, you know, uh, I like to I like to say that AI won't take away your job, but if someone else is using AI much more effectively than you are, uh, then uh, they might take away your job. And so in, in that sense, I think there's self-interest here to learn about AI. An organization that uh, uh, you know I can think about, I would love to highlight, is Axum Collaborative. So when edX was acquired by 2U, uh, Axum Collaborative uh, was a surviving nonprofit uh, that was formed, and uh, it manages open edX. So edX had open sourced its platform to the world as open edX, and Axum Collaborative now is the uh, uh, is the foundation that governs open edX. And open edX continues to thrive. Uh, it's an incredible open learning platform. Uh, you know, all of Ukraine, for example, is using open edX for its learning all the way from schools to colleges uh, for learning continuity in the face of the uh, face of the war. And so I would love to highlight Axim Collaborative as an organization that's governing open edX. And uh, uh, I want all of you to watch for some incredible advances that are coming out in open edX uh, in the future as a platform, and also about how AI is getting in, incorporated into open edX um, as the platform gets uh, you know, more and more powerful for the future. So love to highlight uh, Axim Collaborative. We will definitely put a link to Axum Collaborative in the show notes, and we'll pay attention to the the new releases and new. Um... Also, link to Open edX, uh, um, uh, OpenEdX.org. Um, there's one thing I would like to mention. I didn't get a chance to mention that, which is you talked about ethics. And uh, uh, as we think about using AI in all that we do, uh, it's really also important to think about AI ethics. Uh, in a master's degree, we launched with UT Austin. Ethics is a key part of the master's degree. Um, and even as we incorporate AI into our platform and into how we teach, it's important to have a core set of principles and how you will use AI, how, how you will use the data and so on. And so um, we at edX came up with a set of core principles for responsible use of AI. And some of these principles include uh, ideas like Look, whatever we do should ultimately help humanity. Second, we should be careful about how we use the data and respect learner privacy. Uh, there's a big da danger right now with all the data that is training the AI models could have uh, hoovered in a lot of uh, private data. And a lot of, so we need to be very careful about what data we're hoovering in to train AI models. Um, one of our responsible responsibility axioms also is that Whatever we build, we also want to, for teaching and learning, we want to contribute back as open source to the community so that everybody can benefit, not just one company. So these are just some examples of how we can use AI ethically uh, for good. And uh, the more companies that can articulate very clearly uh, that the more companies that can articulate their responsible AI goals and uses, uh, the better off we will all be. Uh, I, I agree with that completely. And it's a great way to close is that, 
is that we need to continue to emphasize sort of this AI for good, especially in this emergent accelerant place that we're in right now. Um, and what you all have done at edX and open edX to clearly articulate what this means is important for any organization, any school district, uh, any company to say, this is, these are the principles we're abiding by. So appreciate that as a closer. Uh, I'm not, I, I've heard a ton from you today. Some of the things that really struck me as, as uh, profound and interesting is this idea of we've been able to scale learning for a lot through edX, but AI will allow us to personalize more. And so when you can do both of those things, scale and personalize, you not only get access, but you get access of quality. And I think that's really, really important. I think that the changes in higher ed we talked about, about the benefits for both the learner and the professor. And I, I was thinking from the, the professor educator side, this idea of more time for thinking, more time for personal conversations and personal uh, interactions with groups of students will increase the personalization for those students as a whole. Uh, third is this idea of AI for good, like we just talked about. Everything must be thought for. Uh, the, the power of AI needs to be driven towards the good of the world and the good of humanity. Uh, and then I think the last piece I, I was thinking about is that this idea of organizations like edX allowing people to upskill and reskill and, and acquire new skills in the way that it matters to them and the people that they work for, for the benefit of the clients or the worlds that they're living in. And so the more flexible it is and the more opportunities there are, the more people will find success in those areas. So Anant, thank you so much. Uh, we look forward to tracking what's happening at edX and all the other projects that you're working on. And thank you for your time and everything that you've done over the course of your career to, to make education more accessible and better for the world. So thank you so much. Hey, uh, thank you so much, Nate. Uh, uh, and thank you so much for having me on uh, the show. Thanks for tuning in to the Getting Smart podcast today. We want this podcast to be actionable, insightful, and a great way to learn about what's next in learning. In order to stay on the cutting edge, we need people in the field to tell us what they're hearing, what they're wanting, and what they're needing to learn more about. Got a topic or a guest in mind? Send your recommendations to me, Mason at gettingsmart.com. And if you like what you're hearing, don't forget to leave a review in Apple Podcasts or subscribe wherever you listen. Feel free to share the podcast on social media using the hashtag GSPodcasts. Thanks so much. 